0: Welcome to the B Side Boys Podcast and Iowa Rugby Podcast. And I'm your host, Mr. Gray. And again, for the second episode in a row, it's just me by myself here. Again, no worries. I didn't fire Javi or Phil in a fit of rage. Or a power-hungry move like, hey, Phil, this is a great idea. It's all mine now. No, no, no. Uh, when we film these episodes, we normally film both of them in the same day. So sorry, uh, spoiling the magic of it. Uh, we, we just do them on the same day. So it's, it's easier. And uh, yeah, so Phil's still gone on vacation. Javi's still at orientation for his new job. They will be back next week, hopefully, as long as Phil doesn't bail at the last minute which he's known for. I'm kidding. That that was pretty slanderous. I'm sorry, Phil. Uh, But he's not here to defend himself, so I can say whatever I want about him. And he's too soft to fight me in person. So with that being said, today's episode is brought to you by Rotor Epoxy. And Rotor Epoxy, great guys. They are an epoxy coatings company. They specialize in the protection of concrete as well as giving it a pleasing and aesthetic finish. I mean, think about it. It's the summer My wife, she doesn't get it. I spend a lot of time in my garage. I want to make sure it looks nice. There's something about having garage beers. You got the door open, people walking by with their dogs, people driving by slow in the cul-de-sac, and they take a look in the garage. What a flex to have an epoxy coating on your garage floor as people pass by. Hey, invite the neighbor Jim over for for a garage beer. He's staring at your garage. He doesn't even hear what you're saying. He's just like, damn. That is a nice floor. Maybe he even spills his Miller Lite on the floor. And you're like, look how easy this is to clean. He's jealous, right? Major flex. Go talk to Rotor Epoxy. They will take care of you. Give them a call at 319-461-8162. Or give them an email at rotorepoxy at gmail.com. Or go to their social, social media on Facebook, Rotor Epoxy. And again, be the talk of the neighborhood. You know, guys, you know. There's something about having a nice, well-kept garage. It just looks good. So get a hold of those guys. Make it happen. Speaking of making things happen, there is a referee course that is coming up. One thing we talk about all the time, not only in Iowa sports or just nationwide, referees. We need them. The game does not happen without referees. And so Adam Falk, he sent me the information And people always say like, hey, I want a referee. I want to make money. I want to help out. We've had so many people get registered. They go through the coursework, but they're still playing. They're still coaching. They get the certification. They're eligible to do it, but they just don't have the time. So if you want to be involved in rugby and your playing days are over, or maybe just you're out of season, go and get registered. Go and do the course. It'll make you a smarter rugby player. It'll make you a smarter coach. And it'll make you more empathetic towards those referees. Right? I think rugby is the hardest sports referee. I got certified and I'm too scared to do it. I'll be honest. I've been out there. I'm a people pleaser. I don't like when people get mad at me. And when there's 30 guys on the field, you're alone in the middle most times. I mean, sometimes you have an AR on the side. But you'll be more empathetic understanding like, oh, this is why maybe he didn't make this call or she didn't make this call. They're focused on this part of the breakdown. When I'm looking at the offsides line over here, I'm looking at this. So two guys are fighting over here. You got to think about it. There's 30 people on the field. And doing this referee course, not only does it help the union, it'll help you be a better rugby, whatever you want to be. And there's great opportunities too. We're seeing people, uh, Mark Blong. From River City, he shared this out as well, and he talked about how he had opportunities to go all across the United States to referee. He would never have been able to um, have these opportunities. I guess maybe not never, but rugby refereeing opened some doors for him to travel to some pretty cool places, and for your mileage, you get paid back. I know gas is expensive right now, but you can make money doing something rugby-related. A lot of coaches, a lot of players, almost all of us, we're not making money doing this. But if you want to make money, refereeing is a way you can give back, make the sport better, and make a little bit of money for your time. I mean, you're not going to get rich from it, but you're going to have more in your pocket on a Saturday night than the guys that were playing on the field. So this referee course, it's going to be at the Cedar Valley Soccer Complex in Waterloo on August 5th at 5 p.m and it ends August 6th at 5 p.m. You might be thinking like, what, two days? Well, here's the thing, this is awesome. What they are doing is working with the Iowa Irish Fest rugby tournament. Friday night, it's a special two-part education and certification course. Friday night, you will learn how to be a referee. And on Saturday, you will apply what you learned at the Irish Fest tournament the next day. What's awesome about this is so many times, like coming from an education background, we know that the only way to retain knowledge is to apply the knowledge. You have to have ownership of it. I've gone to coaching clinics. I've gone to referee clinics. They've been in a gym and you're sitting at a desk and they tell you this, 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 one, two, three. All right, you're certified. You answered the questions right. But in the heat of the moment, if you do not have that like, you know, application, that practice, it's not going to be as quick. You're going to be timid. So what better way than to be surrounded by a bunch of brand new referees and then the course leaders, they're going to teach you everything Friday night. I, not everything. I still, I've been around rugby 12 years. I don't know half the rules still. Sorry. That's why Ridgway's the coach of the Wombats, not me. Kicking, who does that? But anyways, Friday night, you learn the principles of being a referee. Saturday, you apply them pretty awesome. And it doesn't say anything, but it looks like, I mean, I'm guessing if you're refereeing on Saturday, you will get paid for it. So there is a cost to become a referee. It also says here, to be able to take the course, you must be a USA Rugby member. And so if this is a barrier, please reach out to Adam Falk or the Iowa Society of Referees. They want to help you. If you want to be a referee, this is an awesome opportunity. Also, Iowa Irish Fest in Waterloo. One of the most fun festivals in Iowa. I mean, you got Block Party to start the summer. You got Irish Fest to end it. The rugby tournament's great. Uh, played in it a bunch when I was with Bremer. Awesome time. But then on top of that, there's so many events going on at the same time. You got the, the outdoors Highlander games, like they're flipping logs and, and they're all wearing kilts. It's It's awesome. And then you also have just A lot of beer tents, a lot of great food, a lot of great music. You know, I don't know who's there this year. One year there's the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Not Peppers. They're a bagpipe group. Great time. Okay? So make sure if that interests you, it's a level one referee course. Sign up for it. Find it. We'll link it on Facebook. Make it happen. And so today is July 8th. Tomorrow is going to be the Toys for Tots tournament in Des Moines. They're also down in St. Louis is another national qualifier uh, with the Bombers. They're hosting. Also, pretty cool news for tomorrow is that there is the USA men's U18, U20, and U23 squads are going to be in Amsterdam to compete in the Corndon Summer Tour against other international sides from Netherlands, Belgium, the Czech Republic and Northern rival Canada. So these are pathways to become an Eagle. And the reason I bring this up, you know, a lot of us are going to be at toys for tots. A lot of people are going to be down in St. Louis at that national qualifier, but there's one member of the USA U23 squad that has ties to Iowa. Uh, Tavius Sikora Mathis from Cedar Rapids who then went to Iowa Central and is now with the American Raptors was selected to represent our country at the U23 tournament. So, congratulations to him, good luck, hoping to see some exciting things from him. Uh, it's just it's really great to see, you know, these guys, they they play in the Iowa High School League, they find some ways to, you know, he went to Iowa Central, they get seen, there's high performance opportunities and then they move to that next level representing our state. And one thing that really shows is we have a very proud uh, tradition in Iowa of rugby. And that really comes through in our interview today with Adam Hughes. Adam Hughes is over in Virginia. He is a coach for Blackwater Rugby. And he also is an adjunct professor and an author. And he is writing a rugby book. This is rugby. This is American rugby. And the book dives into... Stories from across the country, what makes rugby in America, the culture, the people, grassroots to pro, all sorts of stories. And so I'm going to let him explain what's going on there. And what I think is so awesome, near the end of the interview, we talk about, you know, Iowa compared to other states and his view on it. And he wasn't pandering. It was from the heart. We, we, we talk a lot off recording. Um, really cool stuff what we're doing here in the state of Iowa and people are taking notice. So guys playing in the U23 USA men's player pool, uh, you know, guys in the MLR, the Iowa High School League, the selects, people are taking notice of what's happening in Iowa. So let's go ahead and hear from Adam Hughes. <music> And we are to the interview portion of the show. Today, we're joined by Adam Hughes. And Adam is currently writing a book about American rugby culture. And the way we first were introduced was when he was collecting information about clubs, the West Des Moines Wombats caught his eye with some of the things we are doing on social media. He started a podcast because of all the stories he was gaining and decided, you know, instead of writing a series longer than Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones combined... It'd be easier to kind of do a podcast. Phil heard it and was like, hey, we should do our own. And yeah, basically, Adam, I just saw you started uh, accepting pre-orders for the book. So first off, thank you for joining us. And what's the name of the book? Yeah,
1: thank you so much, Ryan. I I really appreciate it. Um, The name of the book is This is Rugby. Yeah.
0: Nice. And so, like I said, I just saw you posted you now... It's been a, a long, very fun process, it looks like. Um, where are you at right now with the book? Yeah,
1: so it's, it's definitely been a long, uh, but, but really enjoyable process. So I started uh, the whole journey back at the end of November of 2021. Um, so we're about seven months into it now, eight months into it, and uh, I've... Interviewed now almost 500 individuals, clubs and organizations all across the country, uh, at, at every level of rugby, men's, women's, grassroots, college, professional, everything, uh, and started you know buckling down on the writing process a few months ago, and I'm now in the home stretch. I've got about uh, two more interviews to plug in and doing some editing right now working on cover design and i'm hoping to to have this thing out by september uh,
0: mid-september wow uh that's like that kind of is mind-blowing over 500 interviews over 300 pages a yeah. podcast on top on top of it all with under one year and you're doing this pretty much 100 solo right yes yeah, yeah it, it,
1: it's it's Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to see it, it's, it's all me. Um, and you know, I I'm an adjunct professor, so I have time, um, and I'm able to to kind of crank some stuff out. Uh, and it's been it's been really really amazing just to be able to to have so many conversations and hear from from so many people and learn so much about what rugby looks like in different parts of the country.
0: Yeah, and so someone who is interested in this book, if they pre-ordered it, what what are they getting from this? What is, you know, you have 500 different interviews. What is all that information kind of, how did you put it together? What's the theme? What would people be diving into with this book? What can they expect?
1: That was one of my, my big hurdles along this process was, okay, how do I take all of this information and organize it in some ways that is going to be readable. Sure. Uh, and so I went, I had a couple, uh, you know, trial and errors that things just didn't quite work out. And so I ended up doing, the book is organized by region. Uh, and so it's almost like in reading it, you're taking the great American rugby road trip. Nice. Uh, and so, from New England, and then it's the Mid Atlantic, and the Upper South, the Deep South, the Midwest, uh, the South Central, which is like the Texas, Oklahoma region, uh, Northwest, Southwest. Uh, and so, it's really looking at what rugby looks like in each of those areas, and then within those regions, it's the individual stories. Uh, so, you know, if you're you're reading about the Midwest where you all are you know there's a, a section on there about the wombats there's a section on there about Bremer County uh, I talked to Casey Hansen who I saw you just had on the podcast yep <laughs> um, so I interviewed him and his his story and his the story of the um, the bucks is in there and so it goes sort of throughout the region on looking at those individual stories and what makes each area and each club and each story um so unique and so captivating
0: that's amazing because i think the last time i talked to you, uh, a few months back three four months back uh, your idea was about like seven different themes of yeah. rugby that you found that values yeah yeah the values yeah that's what it was and so that's interesting to see like along this journey you're like all right we're gonna like just because again 500 different takes yeah. and and you know stories and trying to find those values um, it kind of makes sense, too. I, I know, too, you talk, too, like, chronologically and then now yeah. geographically. I mean, there's probably no wrong way to go about it, but just kind of for your brain to make it make sense and for a reader to kind of organize those thoughts. Yeah. Either way, you're probably getting to those, those values and those great stories. Who are some of the most interesting people or some of your favorite interviews um, that you've run across?
1: Yeah. Um, there have been So many good ones. Um, One of them that I I reference a lot when people ask me that question is uh, Tamaris Montano. She's a Navajo woman in Gallup, New Mexico, uh, which is right on the edge of the Navajo reservation. And she, uh, about 10, 15 years ago, started a youth rugby program in Gallup, um, primarily for kids off the reservation um like her family and and they would and their nearest game was like an hour and a half away in albuquerque it was you know they had no resources they had open hostility from a lot of the community around them um and and it was just like this really uphill battle the kids were in poverty and gang violence there's domestic violence uh, alcoholism and just hearing her talk about how you know they made something out of that program and and you know she she got quite emotional when we talked mm-hmm. uh and then you know, she ended up going on and creating now the, the club that's known as the Indigenous Warriors Rugby Club, uh, which is like a, a, a select traveling side, um, primarily of people of Indigenous background uh, who play in, in terms, They played against a group of um, Australian Indigenous persons. They have played in Canada against an Iroquois team. Uh, so it's just a really, really fascinating take on, 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 what rugby is and what rugby can be. And those are the stories that I've enjoyed the most are the ones that are obviously more than rugby. Like, right. I, this, the, the book is not about the leagues or about the championships or about, you know, who scored this or who did that. It's It's so much more than that about what this game is and how it, you know, mirrors and parallels life in so many ways.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And, and yeah, just that human impact that our sport has and how it connects us all together. You know, it reminds me when I was at the University of Northern Iowa, I remember taking a humanities course and we had to do this big project and it had to be some event in some culture that brings people together. And I remember wanting to do something with rugby and this guy was like, sports is not a part of humanities. Like sport is for kids and I just feel like, you know, I disagree with that wholeheartedly, but of especially course, yeah. with rugby. And I think your book, you know, it gets to that human element. I had a buddy one time too, we played rugby and, you know, he said it didn't even matter like what the sport was. It's just how the sport brings this unique group of people together, this diverse yeah. group of people. And and just from talking to you, it sounds like your book is full of these stories that we have this one common thread of rugby Yep. But just the impact it has to change people's lives and get people out of, you know, difficult situations, whether it be, you know, mental health or just kind of the community, the environment, that the structure that people are born into and how it can pull people out into these positive experiences. So that's, I'm really excited to read about, read about that part. And like you said, you had yeah. multiple. Yeah, you
1: know, that's what I, that's what I tell people is like, the. I feel like this is almost, and this is going to sound overly intellectual, but it's almost like an anthropological look at rugby. Um, Like, I'm almost studying the culture um, as something that is, like, a humanities thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're looking at, you know, how does... how does rugby cross racial lines? Mm-hmm. How does it cross lines of gender? How does it cross lines of sexuality? You know, how do all of these things that are in our society, the guiding the guiding motivation for the book is our society has never been more divided, mm-hmm. never been more factional, And rugby is one of, if not the only institution I'm aware of, that cuts through all of that and says, I don't care what your religion is or what your race is or what your um, political ideology is or your gender or your sexuality. In the context of a rugby club, none of that matters. That's, and that's super unique and
0: super valuable. Yeah, that's amazing. I've never thought of it that way and just how how well you put that. I think that's, that's perfect because I think to my experience and probably a lot of people from Iowa's experiences, Iowa's not the most diverse place in the world. Right but i know in my life the most diverse places i've ever been is every rugby club i've been on that's where i've seen the most diversity i mean yeah. it's it's really interesting that you say that i mean rugby's not the community's not perfect but i just feel like it is more tight knit than like you said society as a whole with all these different factions i mean what other comp- two competing sides can get together after a battle after an argument and share beers and share laughs and share stories, you know, you're not seeing that in other groups, but with rugby, it's so common that it doesn't matter if we travel to Nashville, Tennessee, or we have friends in Florida and Arizona and uh, Fayetteville, there's a club down there. It's like socials are are common everywhere. Yeah. From grassroots to the pros. I mean, that's a celebration. And so, yeah, that's, that's a really well put. Um, Yeah. I, And, yeah, so also along these lines, um, what would you say was the most interesting thing? Not just, like, one specific person, but, like, as you went through these interviews, what was, like, the most interesting thing that people had in common or, like, a trend that you were surprised by and, like, didn't expect?
1: Yeah, one of the things that I'm, I'm writing right now is I'm writing kind of the epilogue to the book, and it's you know, kinda of titled how to how to build a rugby club. And, you know, because being able to have this like bird's eye view of the game has been so unique for me and also so beneficial. So I'm I'm a coach and a club president mm-hmm. of a D three club here in Virginia. And you know, when you're involved in club administration, as you know, you're at like this foxhole level. Right, where it's you're trying to survive the next day yep. and the next practice, and, and it's hard to kind of see what other people are doing. Uh, and so one of the things I've been able to do is kind of sit there and synthesize what do the clubs that have done this right, what do they have in common? And it's, it's very obvious there's four or five things that they all systemically have, have in common. Um, you know, they, they've set a vision that players conform to rather than the other way around. They involve families, they involve old boys or, or past generations, and they involve a socialization aspect. And And those are, you know, common everywhere you go, at every level, from brand-new clubs to professional clubs and everyone in between and that's been really interesting seeing that there really are like these ingredients and if you don't have one the club is going to falter like i talked to the one thing that's really surprised me has been you know and it doesn't apply to you guys quite as much at the wombats but it's it's the involvement of old boys and old girls Mm -hmm. and the clubs who have hit valleys almost to a team have lost connection with their old boys or old girls. Wow. Uh, And I did not expect that the presence of past generations would have an impact on the pitch. I knew it would have an impact off the pitch. Mm -hmm. But what I've actually found is that there's a direct correlation that when those old boys or old girls fall away from the club, the club
0: itself doesn't do as well on the pitch. And that's fascinating to me. Yeah, that's interesting because you think like, oh, hanging up the boots, you know, I can't contribute on the field. I'm going to go off to the side. And then kind of life happens and maybe the club is just like, well, and like not intentionally, but it's like, well, they're not on the pitch. The focus, the spotlight is taken. Yeah, it's taken off of them. New people come in, but those values that the club was created with or just the, the things that were done might get lost. That's that's really interesting that, like you said, it's not just the, the funding or, like, just that presence, no. but on the field, it, it dips. That's, and, that's I don't, and
1: I don't totally understand it, yeah. but it's, it's very fascinating. And the other thing that really surprised me um, was some of the, the places that rugby exists that I never was aware of. Um, I had no idea how prevalent law school rugby is really and and beyond that mba rugby uh so you know business school there's a an mba world cup every year in danville virginia uh, that is put on by the duke grad school did not know that existed didn't know that was a thing but clubs from all over the world come to this so booth business school in chicago harvard um yale Duke, uh, Wharton at Penn, uh, the London School of Business comes over, uh, the Dublin School of Business sends guys who are like, you know, on the cusp of making the Leinster, you know, academy signs. And there's this, this wild culture of NBA rugby, where, you know, the, the Games on the pitch are wildly inconsistent, mm-hmm. and the parties are completely legendary. <laughs> and it's it's something I had no idea existed. So finding all these little unique subcultures has been wild.
0: Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. And there's a there's a big law university in Des Moines, Drake University. We need to. They're missing out because they don't have yeah. rugby there. Sounds like they would fit in perfectly. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I so there's like a
1: Chicago lawyers rugby team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, a, a law school in Albany that has a, a great team, Albany Law. Um, like there's there's These exist all over. There was a club I talked to that when they were first formed, they were called the Barristers because they were all lawyers. Um, <laughs> it's, it's,
0: it's wild. That's amazing. And so you were talking about being an admin at your club. You are a part of Blackwater Rugby. Yep. And and that's located in Virginia, right? Yep, it's in Lynchburg, Virginia. Nice. And so would you say, you know, writing this book this last year, would, the, would you say you've completely changed how you operate as like an officer, as a team player? How has that changed your role and how you work with your club and the people on your club? Yeah, it has
1: revolutionized it, um, at least how I want to. You know, I'm the club president and the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's made me see where I want to take things. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, as you know, rugby people are not always easily led. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's a process. But I, I have seen things that I want to implement, and we've begun doing that. And, you know, even like on the coaching side, so I've talked to Gary Gold. Um, i right. talked to Jack Clark out at Cal. I've, I've talked to all these coaches and learned things. And there's a a coach in Glendale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. His name is Sean O'Leary. He coaches at Grand Canyon University. Uh, he was a former coach at Notre Dame. Uh, he's done some some U19 stuff for the U.S., but he revolutionized how I coach. Like, and I, I mean that literally. Uh, he completely changed my whole paradigm for coaching. Um, he's big on games-based coaching, where instead of you know the coach giving you a drill and then you doing it Mm -hmm. the coach sort of gives you this open-ended game and you know if you are having trouble figuring out the game he's like well figure it out like it's it's all if if a player asks him a question he asks a question right back it's like the socratic method of of
0: oh yeah the decision Um, making the problem solving that you only you only are as good as the ownership you have of what's actually happening that's awesome and so Receiving into this, I'll, uh, we, I call him up pretty regularly now. We'll talk about not just the book, but about coaching. Yeah.
1: And so I'll, I'll talk to him about a problem having in coaching. I'll ask him a question. And he does the same thing to me where he asks me a question back. And like, man, this really is annoying. But if I, <laughs> like, like it, it, it makes me think. And so that's been probably the biggest takeaway that I've been able to like apply to my rugby life has been how I, I view coaching and,
0: and just sort of setting a vision for the club that's amazing and so basically what i'm gathering is if someone pre-orders your book they get your book they're going to become a better club member board member and coach from these stories or did... that, that's my hope yeah I mean, <laughs> I'm, not put a, I'm not going to put a money back guarantee on that
1: uh <laughs> you know if your team doesn't improve by three wins a season your money back i'm not going to do that um but yes i i think that you know, just the, the body of wisdom that is in this book, that's, to be clear, not mine. Right. Um, then, you know, it's made me so much more aware of things uh, in the rugby world. And I, I, my contention is anybody who
0: immerses themselves in rugby culture not only gets better in rugby, but better in life. Definitely. And I think that's, you know, one of those principal values like we all share in rugby is, you know, keep moving forward, support each other. And I just think it's fascinating because when you go to a bookstore and you go to the very limited selection of rugby books, it is all, you know, X's and O's for dummies or the all blacks biography, or, you know, it's, it's very the top of the food chain and, and even thinking of other sports, you, one, there's not many, if any communities that are, you know, the fact that I could call up someone on the national team and they'd be willing to talk, you know, that's not going to happen with the NFL or the Olympics for other Absolutely. sports. Um, Just having that access, but then also these shared interactions, you know, you're, you you will not find a book in other sports quite like this. And I just love this too. It reminds me of, um, I don't know, kind of that, that story, our town. I don't know. I remember reading that in, uh, in high school, and it didn't make sense when I was a kid. But it's just like every single person in American rugby could probably pick this book up, see themselves in it, and relate to all these stories, and then learn a thing or two to bring back to their club. And just another way to connect us more in this age of, you know, just being people being disconnected.
1: Yeah, that, that's one of the, the things I contend in the book is, you know, our, our we've obviously never been more connected. Mm-hmm. as As a society, um, but we've also never dealt with these levels of depression and loneliness and and mental health struggles. And mm-hmm. you know we're we're incredibly connected and yet incredibly disconnected all at once. and And I think the the local rugby community and the wider rugby community is a great um, resource for overcoming those things
0: definitely definitely and that's where we talked about the first time when I was on your podcast uh, late to the breakdown uh, we talked about how you know so often we hear that of people can be in in a spot that's not great but you know they don't show it outwardly and then they can find that home in their local rugby club and so uh speaking of your podcast how's that been going for you has that been um a lot because I, I see every week there's just You're all over the place with just, you know, men's, women's, um, all the levels, all different people. Um, That keeping you busy as well? It is. It is. Um, I had
1: jumped on it early on and done like, you know, six or seven or eight episodes, like all at once, and kind of got a good head start because I knew, okay, I'm going to be, you know, the, the way that, Came about and, and the timing of it was I had always wanted to do it. Um, I knew I had so many stories with the book that were not going to make it in, mm-hmm. and even some that did make it in, I still wanted to spend more time with. And so um, I, I wanted to do a podcast. And right about that time, I kind of hit a wall with the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned earlier that it was going to be based around values. Uh, I had gotten about. 190 pages written that way. And I was just finding that there were certain stories that I just couldn't isolate to one value mm-hmm. um, or I just couldn't find a way to to get everything in that I wanted to get in or streamline it the right way. And so I, I got really discouraged and there was about maybe a month there, three weeks to a month where I didn't write at all. Um, and that was when I really poured into the, the podcast and it gave me the reset that I needed, uh, where I was in bed one night and like, literally was like, why don't I do regional? And I had to like get up out of bed and like go start writing. <laughs> and since then it's been like the writing has, has flown by the, the podcast has continued. Uh, and so the podcast where, when it started was a really good pressure relief for mm-hmm. me, um, to kind of be able to come back to the writing with, with a fresh, fresh eye.
0: Nice. Yeah. Kind of like a little reset and just yeah, yeah, activating your brain a little bit in a different way. And, and also too, just, you were telling me that first time we talked too, I mean, some of these stories, they just, they tell themselves, like you just, some of these, there's so many characters in the rugby community too, where they just, they just go. And some of those episodes are just, they're, they're a wild ride of, you know, you, you start a lot of times with the people's background, and then just to see where they go, um, it's just it's fascinating. Yeah, Who...
1: sometimes you just hold on and go, okay, yeah, we're we're along, we're along for the ride now. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna let them talk, and, and thirty minutes later, I'll ask them my next question.
0: Yeah, I know definitely. The when I was on with you, there was a couple of times where I'm like, I don't know if I took a breath in the last fifteen minutes. I was just yeah, <laughs> it was it just... Is, that's
1: what I love about rugby people. Like we're we're passionate, <laughs> and and you know you don't you don't you don't talk to a a baseball fan all of a sudden you know you're you're talking for two and a half hours about you know baseball culture or or football culture but rugby like it's this this almost secret society
0: Mm -hmm. it's that that one of us one of us type thing oh yeah
1: (laughs) where once you latch on like those conversations can go and go and go
0: in a good way right exactly and it's funny too you say secret society but yet i feel like our club and the guys we're with—we're we're not secret at all. We're like, join us! Like, yeah, hey, yeah. This is oh, what we do. we
1: intentionally doing. secret. Like, we want to get that secret out, yep. but somehow it still kind of just just goes unnoticed. Um, you know, I I didn't get into the sport until I was in my 30s, mm-hmm. and when I moved out of Ohio, which is where I grew up, I was like 33 when I moved away. I found rugby the next year down here in Virginia. And come to find out, in my hometown of Forty thousand people. There is a rugby club. I had no idea it was there. Wow. And my my town's not that big, uh, but what, I had no idea it even existed.
0: What club was that? What town?
1: Uh, it was Lancaster, Ohio. So they're the, the Lancaster Men of Stone. They're a D four club. Okay.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's yeah, really I
1: had no idea they existed.
0: that's really interesting because we had a couple weeks ago. Uh, Mark Blong. He is the president of River City Rugby. Uh, River mm-hmm. City is Mason City in Iowa. So it's a it's a small town. Um but they've been around they just celebrated their 50th anniversary. Wow. And they still have tons of people in their community that do not know they exist. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's like it's a small town. They it's have a little from of What's that? Were... I said, I'm sure it's not from Want to Try. Right. And and they actually did something cool this year where um uh, they only had like six or seven guys able to travel for spring rugby. Uh-huh. So they they put a pause on the season. And then this summer they did a citywide sevens league where there's no travel and they just took people from the community and they're like, hey, we're going to play sevens rugby. So they go from having six guys to 45 different people have played wow. sevens. And I they do that. they're doing an eight-week season just to build up excitement for their club in their town. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we need to like grow here before we start going to other cities and playing matches. Right. And now they're like, holy smokes, we got a good squad here, you know? And yeah. these people were here the whole time. So hopefully too, with this book, this podcast that you're doing, like these stories, they're going to get out. And, you know, yeah. the fact that it's published and it's not just, I, I think a lot of times too, where our stories get lost. I know for us, a lot of times it's, you're at the bar having a few drinks and then you share a story and people, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, so. Right, right. This, there's a more academic uh, attempt at this, you know? And yeah, I, I yeah. Some... It, it's, the, the
1: attention is, is twofold, right? So there's the one element that this is a love letter to rugby for rugby, right? I want people to see their stories in here, even if it's not their actual story. They're like, that, yeah, that's us. Mm-hmm. Too. Uh, I want that, that celebration of rugby. But the other angle of it is... I want to introduce what this sport is to all the Americans who are, you know, sports fans and maybe rugby curious. Right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are, you've heard people tell you, oh, I'm flipping through and I see rugby. I'll sit and watch it. I don't know what the hell is happening, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm watching it. You know, and those people, I want to read the book too. You know, the ones who are like, yeah, I don't know what this rugby thing is, but it sounds interesting. I, and because if you ask, what, 90... of Americans what they know about rugby you're going to get the stereotypes that it's a bunch of meatheads Mm -hmm. playing this really violent game and then getting drunk. Yep, And that's the extent of their knowledge and it, it misses all of the inclusivity, all of the diversity, all of the camaraderie, all of the community that we know this sport is. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want to, on one hand, affirm and celebrate the rugby community and then on the other hand almost be you know this rugby evangelist uh, spreading the good news of of
0: this sport yeah and adam i think too i I really like that where you're saying like that that average sports fan that has that misconception of rugby and they just I, i hate that so much of like oh it's just a bunch of meatheads getting drunk smashing into each other you know i think of all the time when we try to get rugby into iowa high schools people go there's drinking associated with rugby. And it's like, have you ever been to an Iowa Hawkeyes college football tailgate? Exactly. Like, Yeah. yeah. What, what are we doing? You know, like any sport has drunken idiots, but like, yeah, they, they almost put that wall up. So then that way they, they are blinding themselves from the great things almost to be like, they're, they're happy to be ignorant to it because it's like, I don't want to learn a new thing, but I just right. feel like, and you feel like too, I'm guessing that they're just, they're missing out on so much and, Hopefully this book can can share these stories and get people to check out their local club. And and one thing, too, we talk about all the time is we don't have to recruit only players. I think that's huge, too. Like we need fans. We need people on the sideline, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s who are like, hey, I'll have a, a beer and uh, pull my lawn chair up and watch some of this and hang out. So um, I think that gets lost sometimes, too, when people recruit. And so, yeah, killing the stereotype, I think I think would be yeah. huge. It's it's making it making it a
1: a community activity. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that um, when I've talked to folks in Iowa, that Iowa clubs do really well is they do really well at pulling in the community. Uh, whether that's you know what you guys are doing there in, in Des Moines, whether that's you know Bremer and and how involved they are in Waverly and and you know the festivals there and stuff. Like I think that. Midwestern rugby in general, and Iowa rugby specifically, does a great job of making it community-based, um, being involved in the high schools, being involved in, in parks and recs. Those kind of things go a long way to making those um, connections that are more than just 23 men or women on a, a mm-hmm. rugby team. Uh, because you're right, it takes it takes more than that. that.
0: That is interesting, too. Like you said, you have that bird's-eye view of not only just like rugby, but like the whole United States. Uh Uh, It's interesting to get your opinion on Iowa in the Midwest um, compared to where you are on the East coast there. What would you say, um, you know, off the top of your head, some of the biggest differences from where you're at in Virginia and people you talk to in Iowa, what are some things um, that are different and what are some things that you like about what we have going on up here for, for our listeners?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I think, and this is going to sound like it's it's pandering to my audience. No, but, pan- pander away. Like, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really do think Iowa, specifically, has one of the most underrated rugby scenes in the country. Uh, it it's so much better than I would ever have known before I started doing this project because look, I grew up in you know, Ohio. Is is the Midwest. We we consider ourselves a Midwest. Yeah, uh, but it's 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 not Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, Midwest, mm-hmm. and even even Ohio, Midwest. We still think of those states as flat over country. Mm-hmm. And you know, even though other people think of Ohio as that too, but you know, <laughs> it, it's easy to look at a place like Iowa and go, Yeah, is there really? much rugby there? Like, is there really much of anything there? And then realizing there really is an amazing rugby scene, Uh, whether that's, you know, with Des Moines and West Des Moines, uh, Bremer doing great things on the national level, um, Quad City Irish, you know, all these historic clubs, really good clubs. uh, And, you know, in places that you really wouldn't expect. Like, I I remember when I talked to Casey, I knew Obviously, about the success at Bremer County uh, mm-hmm. with the Bucks. What I didn't realize was how small the town of Waverly is. Yep. Um, and yeah, you and I is nearby and stuff, but still, you're talking a town of like, what, 10,000 people?
0: Right at 10,000, um, yep. 10, yeah. Fourteen.
1: 10,000, yeah. And, you know, to have a, a club that is consistently going to nationals from a town of 10,000 is bonkers. And, you know, because I know now what kind of expense
0: that means, because they're not holding nationals in Dubuque, right? You know, they're,
1: <laughs> they're, they're holding nationals in Atlanta or in, you know, Seattle or Austin, places where no matter where it is, you're having to travel somewhere far away. Yep. And I think that's really, really incredible about Iowa rugby in general and, and how rich the high school scene is there. Uh, one of the things I've, I've learned for this project is how how varied rugby is across the country in terms of, like, there's these pockets of rugby mm-hmm. uh, that exist all over the country. And one of the things I hope to do with this book and beyond is
0: connect those pockets yeah, uh,
1: and, and make bigger pockets. But one of the things that I think Iowa is, is it's, it's a rugby pocket. Mm-hmm. and you know the the similarities are you know it's still rugby is rugby in virginia in iowa in la the the beauty is i can sit down with a rugby person in any of those places and we immediately speak the same language yep you know that doesn't happen you know if we're talking politics yeah that doesn't happen if we're talking music um We don't automatically speak the same language, but when it comes to rugby, no matter where you are, um, whether it's in Lynchburg, Virginia or Des Moines, Iowa, we're speaking instantly the same languages, the same cliches, the same terminology Mm -hmm. that other people may not understand outside of the rugby community. So we do. And that's a
0: really unique thing that exists everywhere. Right. I think that's why too, a lot of people, when they do move to a new part of the country, we've had multiple guys in Iowa, uh, move to, we had two guys from two different clubs. One guy was at Bremer. One guy was in Cedar Rapids. They both moved to Phoenix, like apart from each other. Um, but they moved down there around the same time. They both played for the Phoenix rugby club and they just made it to nationals in D three this past year. And like, they knew each other, um, But they didn't, like, plan on moving there together. They just like, oh, hey, you're here. I'm here. Hey, here's a rugby club. Let's play. We had another guy who played for the Wombats just moved down to uh, Palm Beach. He won a national title with the Palm Beach Panthers in Florida. Um, Another one of our buddies from and I, he played for Bremer with us. Um, He's down in, oh, I think one of the Carolinas. I think North Carolina. Yeah. And it's just funny because you talk to him. I saw um, this buddy, uh, Harry. Harry Hargett. he was at our buddy's wedding and he came back from North Carolina and to hear like that story of like, oh yeah, I moved down there and found a rugby club like within the, it's like people find their rugby club before they set up their utilities at their new house.
1: 100%. I've talked to people for this book where they're like, yeah, I hadn't finished unpacking (laughs) anything and I already was at the local rugby club. I mean, we talked on my podcast when you were on Mm -hmm. about Josie. Yep. Uh, You know, Josie started out at Blackwater and you know now he's in El you know, Lombat and that's yep. one of the amazing things for this book too has been out of all the people I've talked to um I have not had very many if any conversations where I haven't made a connection during that conversation to another conversation I've had with somebody else
0: oh and I'm sure uh, too with each conversation it's like this massive web
1: Yeah, I'm I'm to the point now where I, I can't say this for sure, but I have a feeling that there's not a rugby club in the country that I'm not at least connected to through like two degrees of separation. Oh, for sure. Uh, You know, and, and, you know, if if I haven't talked to a rugby club in, in Maine, I've probably someone at that club knows someone who I've talked to. Right. And that's just insane to me. Uh, you know from from starting this journey eight months ago and knowing a few people in the rugby community, but not very many mm-hmm. to now, you know, I've got genuine friends now all over the country uh, just because of this project.
0: yeah that's it's remarkable. And I think it also speaks to again, the sport, the culture, everything yes. you're capturing. Um, I feel like too, if you had a conversation with someone and and you're kind of talking, they're like, oh, I'm from, you know, this area. And you go, oh, do you know this club or this person? They're like, no. What about this person? No. You'd be like, you don't play rugby. Like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's that, that sort
1: of thing where you ask someone, oh, what position do you play? Uh, defense? Yeah, you don't play, yeah. you don't play rugby. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we, we've heard of those conversations. It's a very similar thing. Uh, and it's, it's been, you know, just that that whole process has been really surprising uh, in a, a really good way, Right. Uh, just how, how enmeshed everyone is. And I can say this, that out of all the interactions I've had for this book, I have literally not had one single negative one. That's amazing. Uh, I, had, I had one coach I talked to who was um, a little standoffish at first. Mm-hmm. He warmed up. Um, and I had one club who blew me off. Uh, I had several clubs who just never got back to me, mainly because rugby social media is
0: yeah. inherently
1: chaotic. Um,
0: There's some I've websites so many, that haven't been updated since oh,
1: 2005. Oh, so many. So <laughs> many. Uh, I've only had one club who got back to me and said, we're not interested. Wow. No one, um, everyone else has been, oh my gosh, I, I want to be part of this. Let me connect you with these people. Like People have gone so far out of their way. Mm-hmm. To, you know, connect me with other people, to share other stories, to be like, oh, you've got to talk to this person, too. You know, every conversation seems to spin off three or four more. Yep, uh, it's, it's been, you know, almost to the point of like, okay, I actually have to kind of wind this down or I'll just keep doing the research forever and the book will never get
0: rid of Well, I was going to ask you too, as we're talking here, because it just seems like you have so much information and I'm sure it also depends on how many books are ordered and, and all of that, but could there be a, a follow-up book or is there is there kind of like a, a narrative or a train of thought that like, is there a part two, maybe not a direct sequel, but just you have all this information um, could there be a second book? Or I mean, I, I've never written a book. Probably never will. Uh, it seems very, very taxing and very, like emotionally and physically draining, uh, and a lot of brain power goes into it. Um, yeah, but,
1: it, it's been a yeah. lot. Um, but you know, I'm I'm always an idea and project guy. Mm-hmm. And so there's always something percolating. Um, for now, you know, the book will get finished. I'll continue focusing on the podcast. Yeah, and then. I could see, you know, first of all, maybe a book about um, maybe looking at the values mm-hmm. in isolation, you know, and sharing some stories that way, uh, because there there's so many stories from clubs that are really good, yeah, but when I go to write them out, I've got, you know, four paragraphs. Mm, And that's just not enough for a section in the book. I want to have at least a page and a half for each section right? um, for each club story. Uh, I don't want it to feel like it's cursory or like someone's going, why should I care? That sounds nice. but And so there's so much information that doesn't really have the the bulk behind it, Mm -hmm. but could go into, you know, more of an overarching, um, you know, look at maybe a book that talks about what the path forward is for American rugby, um, or a book that looks at, um, you know, a, a an extension. My, my goal for this book is this is a survey. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the bird's eye view. I hope other people and maybe myself included, I hope other people take those threads that I've only kind of touched on and
0: build more on it. You know, we could uh partner up here. I'm thinking of those values. I'm a schemer too. Yeah. Could write a children's book. I'm an elementary ed guy. I'm a teacher. Absolutely. You you have those values. We could we could collab there. I I'm we definitely scheme in yeah. there and and you know, right. child, children's books are only thirty-two pages, so yeah. it'll yeah, say only one rugby children's book, and that was by Mike Petrie wrote yep.
1: R for Rugby. Um and he wrote that he's one of the persons I've I've talked to Mm -hmm. many times for this book. Actually, he's been hugely enthusiastic and helpful and and really cool. I'm a scrum half. And so I was a little starstruck early on (laughs) when I talked to him, Um, but he's been so kind. But one of the, the way that book, came about for him ours for rugby mm-hmm. is his wife was pregnant and they were looking for baby books as you do yeah and he was looking for a rugby one and everywhere he looked you couldn't find one he looked in stores he looked online and finally his wife said why don't you just write it <laughs> and he's like so i did he's like he i, I wrote it on the subway to and from work I was, he was a, a teacher in a, a local school in new york city and he literally wrote the book on the subway and, you know, that's wow. rugby, rugby ingenuity, right? You, you find
0: a need and you fill it. That's amazing. And it's funny, too, because uh, my son, he's 18 months old now. Mm-hmm. I, same thing happened to me where I'm like, we were, my wife was buying all these books and alphabet books and kids books. And I'm like, well, I just ordered a USA Rugby ball size one, like a very tiny little yeah. ball. I'm like, we need a rugby book. Same thing. And I found his book on Etsy and it was crazy because I ordered it you could put a little message and I was just like, Hey, you know, this is awesome. I play rugby in, in Iowa. And like he wrote a personalized message and I said like, Oh, we're having a son. And he wrote a message like personally, and like sent me a message on top of that. I'm just like, again, how many books do you ever order from anywhere? And it's not even like I was like, Hey, you got to sign this or Hey, like it was just like, Hey, this is cool. I appreciate what you're doing. And he just was yeah. beyond nice. And I just think too, like, again, there's more of those rugby values. You're not gonna get that from just your average Joe nope. from other parts of the world. No, you're not. And and that's
1: been uh, from from all levels. Are there are there jerks out there? I'm sure there are in the rugby community. We've we've met them and I'm sure there's some big timers who, you know, are, are that way in rugby, but they're very, very few and far between. Um, you know, I was talking to someone uh, in Seattle, and he's a very well-connected rugby guy. And he was like, you know, I want to help out. Who who you want to talk to? And so then he's like, here, let me give you. Here's Dan Lyle's cell phone number. Uh-huh. Um, he's like, here's Todd Clever's cell phone number. And I'm like, I don't think I should have these. <laughs> here's Alex Corby Sierra. And I'm like, what? What? What world am I living in right now? Right. <laughs> um, and and I talked to all of them. You know, and and they were all just incredible people and supportive and um you know have been just just on board with this and and it sounds like I'm name dropping and I, I promise I'm not it's just that's an illustration of mm-hmm. the community um not an illustration of anything that I've done just an
0: illustration of the kind of people who make up this community right and yeah I think to your point there it's like it, it's not even that it was you. It's like, if someone had this idea for this project, they would reach out to any of the people that want to do this. And and also too, the fact that these people, they sat down with you, had the interview, had the conversation and could feel your passion and could see the vision of, and like, and I think too, a lot of rugby people were all in the same boat of, we all want to see it grow. And I think all yeah. of us know collectively too, this is a vehicle that could help. I mean, even if it's one kid or one club and it's going to be more than that, but even if it was just one, it's like, we're in the right direction. And with the world cup coming up, um, that's what I was thinking of too. Like with a part two book sequel, my, my brain had conflicting thoughts there of like a children's book, but also you said like how to grow rugby in America. I mean, as the world cup is coming up, I feel like USA rugby is going to do what they're going to do but we take pride in the fact that a lot of rugby has grown in grassroots for us to get people and America and the world excited. We've got to do the legwork in our local communities to get people excited. USA rugby is not going to come in and not like I'm trying to crap on them, but I'm just saying they don't have the resources to go to every single community to build the sport. going into Des Moines and and pouring into the local community. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. You know, and then, to your point, something that I had thought of is normally,
1: you know, a book like this will do like a, a revised I an mean, expanded edition, you know, 10 years in. Mm-hmm. Well, nine years in is the world cup and 11 is the, is the other world cup. Yep. And so, you know, that, that could, um, set up nicely to a, okay, we're, we're now, uh, in a world cup year. So here's where we've come in the last nine years from when I wrote this book originally. Here's what the, the build-up to the World Cup has looked like. Here's what American rugby looks like in, in 2031 mm-hmm. uh, in advance of these World Cups.
0: Yeah, that would be – that that will be, like, fascinating to look back yeah. and and to see. And, and I think, too, that's, that's a cool piece, too, that, you know, we can kind of freeze in time these stories – And always come back to them and no matter where rugby goes we can always come back and be like this is where we were at this point because a lot of things have happened before this but the fact that we're getting these stories on paper um and then 10 years from now when we're in between world cups on home soil yeah we can see and i think too there's a lot of people on twitter um not really making promises but people just kind of saying like all right time to go to work and we can look back and go did we do the work? Like, Did we? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, that's I awesome. Agree. Yeah, and so, um, I guess as we're kind of wrapping up here, you know, what has been your favorite part of this whole process? Um, just throughout the whole thing, yeah,
1: I, I have loved sitting down and dialing in a phone number and talking to someone. Um, who our life experience only intersects in one place, and that's rugby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've always been a relationship guy. I've always been uh, uh, an interpersonal communication guy. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to hear people's stories and, and meet people. And so being able to talk to someone who is living a completely different life from me and having this connection, where we talk for an hour and a half, uh, and then being able to to follow up with them, just say hey, how you doing, or sending a text, or they send me a text. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been the number one uh, favorite thing out of all of this. And you know that that ability to connect with people, and part of it is the time we were in. Right, I was. Mm-hmm. I started writing this. Toward the end of the heaviness of the pandemic, yep, and people were were longing for connection, and so I was able to have all these conversations on phone calls, on Zooms, on you know, I used WhatsApp for the first time ever, <laughs> talking to AJ McGinty in England. <laughs> uh, you know, I had never used WhatsApp before. Yeah, and you know, so all these different modes of communication but they were modes of connection between people who, if it weren't for this sport and if it weren't for this book, I would never have connected with. And that is a a really special thing and a really powerful thing.
0: Definitely. And I, and to your point, you know, when you reached out to me originally to ask questions about the wombats and then to ask about, you know, for me to be on your podcast, to, to talk about it. You know, I was, you know, honored that you picked us to talk about it and we had a great conversation and this is only the second time we've actually talked to each other, but yeah. to your point, I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours. I feel like I've known you for years, but we've Absolutely. we've talked twice and yet yeah. it's just we have this common, you know, bond through rugby and it just makes it so easy to to share stories, share laughs. And we already have shared experiences. So yeah, to your point, it's it's funny because I just feel like as we're talking, it's no different than if I was talking to a member of the Wombats um, after a match at a social yep. and we're just sharing stories and having a good time. And so I, I appreciate you returning the favor and joining us on the the B-Side Boys podcast that was yeah, inspired absolutely. by Late to the Breakdown. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful.
1: I really appreciate it. If, if anyone wants to pre-order the book, Uh, They can, um, there's information about it on my Instagram, which is at OnwardRugby. There's a a Venmo information on there and uh, a GoFundMe that can be, I think it's, I'm doing $25 for a book. Uh, If you pre-order it, you'll get $25 shippings included in that and I'll sign it and number uh, the the
0: copies that are pre-ordered. Nice. And... I'll also put this on the link when we post this. So try to make it easy for everybody. Um, Make sure you pre order this book. This is a really special project. You're not going to find something like this about rugby anywhere else. You're not going to find a book about other sports like this at all. And you're going to find yourself in the book. And, you know, Adam was really nice about Iowa. So. He didn't pander. That's the truth. That's right. That's right. It was, it was true. <laughs> no. I'm on a, a podcast tomorrow with somebody in New Hampshire. I'll say the same thing. No, I'm actually not. I'm, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Um, but all kidding aside, for real, Adam, I appreciate what you're doing. Love it. Um, everybody, please go to the GoFundMe, go to the Venmo, pre-order your book. Uh, this is a really cool project. And, Adam, I hope we can check in with you later. Maybe yeah, definitely. kind of get some feedback a few months after the book is released and just... You know, check in, see how things are going down in Virginia. I'd love that. I'd love that. I really appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah. All right, man. You have a good one. Thanks. You too. And that was Adam Hughes. Really great dude. Really passionate about this book. I can't wait to read it. I'm not a big reader, but, I mean, when you have content that you love and are excited about, uh, it makes it easy to read. And the fact that these stories are going to be all from rugby people from across the US, I mean, those words are just going to jump off the page. So can't wait to get that. Make sure you go and pre-order that right now. Uh, Support what he's doing. He's, He's poured a lot of himself into that. And again, like we said in the interview, you know, you will see yourself in this book, even if it's not specifically you, your story, you'll be able to see it, if that makes sense. It made sense when we talked about it. Like, everybody's story is somewhere in this book. So, really cool. And again, as we we grow and we try to get ready for the World Cups that are coming up in the United States, average fans have to start getting excited about this. So, hopefully, people who aren't even rugby fans will read this book. Go buy this book and then have your non-rugby friends read this book. That's my challenge to you. And speaking of, you know, the World Cup national teams, we talked about the men's U23 side. We also have Danny Shepard, who has been selected for the women's U23 USA Eagles, who will be in Canada from July 13th to the 20th. So, crazy story, Danny actually started her rugby career at Lincoln High School, and Mariah Hinton was the head coach there, and her assistant coach was me. Small world. And it's crazy too, because, you know, Lincoln High School, they had girls' rugby for a couple of years. Mariah and I both got new jobs, so we passed it on to someone else, and then it just kind of folded. Uh, a year, about a year after, so it was kind of a bummer to see, but Danny, she went on, and she began playing with the Hawkettes. and Kelsey McDowell really helped her out, and then Danny also plays for the Des Moines women's team as well, and so she went up for the Midwest Thunderbirds, she was seen and selected, a very great person, Uh, she has a GoFundMe, so if you'd like to help her out, that's on uh, Facebook, or you can search that on GoFundMe, so congratulations, we have Two people this July from the state of Iowa, from the Iowa High School Rugby Association, the Iowa Youth Rugby Association, who are competing with the USA Rugby emblem on their chest. I mean, that's just, that's awesome. That is amazing. So shout out to her. Shout out to Tavius. Uh, hopefully they have a great experience and keep opening more pathways for people from Iowa. And you know, it, it's a bummer that Lincoln dropped their program for women's i know john kelly he's doing a great job with the boys programs and you know now is the time if you are thinking about starting a high school boys team especially you've got a lot of time to get that prepped the boys play in the spring if you want to start a girls team you need to start yesterday or start thinking of next season it's really hard to recruit these kids going into fall with that fall girls season. Not impossible. Not impossible. But I really hope to see, you know, Lincoln comes back. I want to see more girls' teams. I've heard um, on the eastern side of the state, there's some interest from some other schools. We heard from Mark Blong that there might be a girls uh, team up in Crestwood. So hopefully we see some more girls' team. That number has stayed right around nine, 10 eight, the last few years, let's start seeing some growth there. Bring back Lincoln. And then on the flip side, boys teams. You know, when I look at a map of Iowa, we've got a lot of schools covered in the Des Moines area. Fort Dodge is the only thing west of the interstate. And then we have, you know, Iowa City, Cedar Rapids, they're doing their thing. Waverly, Cedar Falls, Waterloo, they're doing a great job. But one area I look at, that really, I think, is just a gold mine. It's like this area has oil underground and no one has been able to tap it yet. And when they do, I think this area is gonna take off. And it just takes, you know, someone with a rugby background moving into these communities, and why not even combining some of these areas, these schools? You know, I look at down southeast, like Burlington. Washington, Fairfield, Mount Pleasant, Otumwa. Uh, Then we also have Oskaloosa, Pella, Pleasantville, Melchard Dallas. I mean, there, there's all these, Centerville, you know, get some of these, these wrestling schools. I feel like the Southeast Iowa section could be an amazing spot to have a team where you got kids from five, six different schools. Maybe there's only one coach down there. The communities get excited, and then they start splitting off. They could have tournaments down there. So if you're someone who's interested down there, why not? You've got about six months, eight months, eight months until about February, and that's when like preseason stuff starts. Start getting the ball rolling now. Start putting out feelers. Would love to see it. Let's keep growing that game so then these kids have these opportunities to go play for Team USA. Contact the Iowa Youth Rugby Association. They want to help you. You don't have to do it alone. And there's people in the community too. They want to help. Like we were talking with Adam Hughes. Rugby is one of those sports where almost no coaches are withholding all their information. This sport gets better the more people are involved. So. If you have questions, reach out to those successful programs. I guarantee they will help you. I guarantee they will give you some plans and some ideas that you've never thought of. And then also, my goal is to have somebody from the Iowa Youth Rugby Association come in in person, and we're going to talk about the Girls League this fall, and then how people can start teams in the spring. My new position in Des Moines Public Schools as a school engagement coordinator, pretty much an activities director of a middle school. Uh, we might be working on some middle school rugby in the Des Moines public schools. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But pretty much, I don't know. Just get out there. Do something. Make something happen. And then when you do something cool, let us know and we'll talk to you about it. All right? So hopefully this is the last time I have to do this by myself so I'm not just rambling alone in my garage. It reminds me when I was growing up. I'm I'm an only child and I would just sit and play Sega Genesis and there was no commentary and I would just talk to myself. Um, all right, I need to end this thing. Thanks for joining us, guys.